Welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio with the vision of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. Hey, it's Caucasian Saint here, and welcome to a special edition of Geekologist Radio, where we tackle episode six of season seven of Game of Thrones. In each of our spoiler casts for this season, we'll give you our initial impressions, talk about the story, where every major plot line is location by location, and then give our final thoughts, which will include hits along with misses. As always, we'll have theories, but let's introduce our panel for tonight's cast. First up, let's say Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hey, how's it going? Doing good. I love this episode. It was pretty good. Not gonna lie. Exactly. And next up, let's have Two Wolves Was Right. Hashtag Two Wolves Was Right himself. I'm gonna Chris, how's it going? bottle up my feelings until we start talking about this episode. So let it begin. <laughs> awesome. So, uh... Any initial thoughts, uh, phrase, sentence, feeling, an emotion, an emoji that uh, gives you about this episode? Who wants to go first? Sad. <laughs> yeah. Crying face Chris. emoji for myself. <laughs> Crying face emoji. I think this brought together a lot of what this episode was about because it, the next next week's episode, and we'll get into that, it has a lot, a lot more to do with being away from the White Walkers, and this was just like a culmination of getting to them, I think. Uh, they've been talking about it for literally four episodes. They finally had the confrontation. Yeah, and uh, to me, this was repercussions. This this episode is the reverb- the repercussions that are going to reverberate and carry us through next season and, and the finale. There's a lot of stuff because of what happened here that's uh, going to affect what's happening next. Uh, and before we get into the story, we do have like one piece of news. We found out that season eight, uh, the release is going to be delayed until 2019. Yeah, they're sure. There was a rumor about. Yeah, they uh, they originally rumored that earlier this year, and then when it was found out that they were going to start filming in October of this year, it's like people thought, well, there's no way it's going to be released in 2019. Uh, but sure enough, HBO confirmed they're not going to release in 2019. Apparently, uh, they have too big of a. Uh, a shooting schedule uh, with all of these movie size episodes and everything they want to do, but their scripts are done uh, and they have their shooting schedule, but they're not going to release till probably early 2019. That makes sense. I mean, if these episodes are going to be as long as this week's episode, when I first clicked on HBO go and saw an hour and 20 minutes, I was like, Holy crap. Like, so uh, the expectation level is going to be at least, at least an hour and a half to potentially two hours. Like I, I don't think we all know how long these are going to be, but I, I would guess it's going to be right around roughly around that area. And if it's that to have these large set pieces and have all of these big battles, which I think that's what it's going to be for the last season, then take all the time you need and get it right. Because sure shit, we do not want a lost season finale because that's what we'll end up getting otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we saw that with Westworld too. Westworld, when we, everybody was super into Westworld, we heard like, we're not going to see Westworld to 2018? It's 2016. Oh my God. And people are freaking out. But I mean, it's coming. It's coming early 2018, just as we expected. Um, and it gave them enough time to do it right, as we, we expect, as we're going to get as well. So yeah, take your time. Do it right. We're going to have a little Westworld breaker in between there. And uh, you're sending off the show uh, into its afterlife. So let's, let's see it go. Jeff? Yeah, HBO has definitely started to go down the route of letting the writers and the directors kind of pick the pace like BBC has because of what happened with True Detective. So mm-hmm. if we get something that is good and is gold, then I'm willing I'm willing to wait as long as it we really need to to get that. When you're spending that right. kind of money for these episodes, uh, you need to get it right. 
Oh, and yeah. take and taking the time and also who thought who would have thought that game of thrones and westworld would be like gears of war and halo where it's just like every other year you're getting the other one you know what i mean which is <laughs> that's perfect by me like i'll take you know one on off year and then we'll have a conversation about that and then once you're kind of over that then you're on to the next thing yeah because uh when when one of some of these shows go into international syndication when this is the reason people buy hbo go or now or whatever uh, get their subscriptions, then you need to have good quality shows. And if you're going to be rushing it to hit some arbitrary schedule and you're not putting content on there so people subscribe to your uh, your your in-person subscription fees, then yeah, you're you're doing it wrong. But let's get into the story. Let's go location by location. And we're going to kind of in priority uh, start with the, the least amount of action, but most amount of dialogue probably would be uh, Winterfell. There is so much going on in Winterfell that is behind closed doors. And initially, you see Arya and Sansa having the conversation. Arya is not afraid to just call it right on Front Street. And then it's like, here's the note. This is exactly. And she's like, no, no, don't say anything. And she's like, yep, I'm going to read the whole thing. And it, it was pretty cool. I, I appreciated it. And I the only thing that bothers me about Arya is she constantly brings up reminiscing about Ned and about how things used to be. Mm-hmm. And Winterfell right now is... Uh, this season's King's Landing. Like, this is where all of that espionage and everything is going on and deceit and spying. And it's that other half of Game of Thrones that people like, while the other part of this episode is the other half. So uh, they needed to give us a little bit of the other side of the coin. Cajun? Yeah, because Cersei's killed everybody in Winterfell. She she blew up uh, everything last year, uh, last season. And so, and Littlefinger's not there, and he's the big espionage guy himself. So he's uh, he's pulling his strings and doing everything except there. But I would just like Arya and Sansa to have a more in-depth conversation, please, because if they just talk a little bit further into it, even though it was good, a little bit further, I think they'd come to a conclusion there. But uh, that's more of a, a writer's choice, not a character choice. Yeah, what, what you're doing in this episode or, with, or this particular scene is Arya's making assumptions about Sansa without actually asking her the questions. And then when, when Sansa does give her the answers to the questions, I was young. You don't know what I was going through. Arya doesn't really care. In fact, she feels like she's lying about it. And the the line that she gives about Lady Mormont, where she where she brought a lady Lady Mormont being young, and she's like, "Yeah, go ahead and tell her that, or unless she's too young for you too." You know what I mean? It was it was just a slap across the face because she's leading the North with, at, at that age. So please don't tell me that you were too young. I did like the fact that they actually showed the scene in the lead up to the episode, so you could see how young Sansa was in that episode. Right, exactly. But this for Arya, though, we've seen Arya in a lot of stuff. This does seem out of character for her. I know that her sister and her have had their differences, and this is maybe a different emotion drawing, but this this seems out of character. I think she could be drawing out Littlefinger uh, to get Sansa's permission to kill him. This is my theory on this play she's making right now, because these other scenarios don't make sense. Like, you tell me Arya can't tell that... Sansa's telling the truth. Like she was trained to be able to tell someone's lying. She even tried does that game tries to play that game with her uh, in the room after the mask were there, the game of faces or whatever. She, she should be able to tell Sansa's lying on any of these scenarios. Uh, she doesn't believe Sansa was forced to, and she thinks she did it freely. Mm-hmm. Come on, Arya. I mean, that's another thing that she thinks she's lying. I'm not buying it. And uh, now the other thing is, does Arya really believe Sansa's sin is worthy of the death penalty? So I'm not buying all of those things. So I'm thinking Arya is is getting permission to kill Littlefinger uh, instead of just straight up doing it herself sure. and creating more of a rift. Mm-hmm. Jeff? Yeah, I think that Arya is kind of playing into, I think that her 
all of the training that she has gone through in Bravos, and then coming back, I think that she is trying to make it look like she is playing into Littlefinger's game, and so she is going to stir the pot and see where Sansa ends up on the top or on the bottom there, because you can tell that, especially after her, uh, after Sansa's talk with Littlefinger, and then that note for to go and see the armist or go to the armistice, mm-hmm. she sends Brienne of Tarth because Brienne is the only person that would really stop anything to happen between them. So I think Sansa's kind of thinking maybe trying to make a move on Arya. I think right. Brienne going is a direct middle finger to Littlefinger, uh, plan words. But it's basically him telling her because in the conversation, he brings up Brienne and she says, oh, wouldn't she, you know, stop or, you know, would she be the only thing to stop between the two of you? And instead of keeping her here in order to defend, she does, she doesn't feel like she's a kid. I can do this on my own. I don't need Brienne to, to, to help or defend me in any way. Mm-hmm. And so instead of that, F you, I'm going to send her away. So if, if somebody's going to do this, it's going to be me. And she said it to Brienne so much because Brienne said, I'll protect you. And she said, I'm not a little kid. Yeah. So yeah, there's, like I said, y'all just had two different ways of reading that. That just shows how many different ways it could play out because there's, there, there could even be other ways we're not even thinking of on what Sansa's doing there. And this is the stuff that people, like I said, this is the stuff people like Game of Thrones, this intrigue, this ministry stuff, and lots of different ways to interpret a scene. Uh, but none of them we know is right. It's just like we're waiting for the show to tell us this story, but we know that the answer is out there. So yeah, that that's that was a very Game of Thrones uh, sequence of events. The one thing that I liked because, and well, let's just take John out of this because nobody knows that John's coming. When Sansa gets a note, if you think about it, it's three very powerful women that are coming to the table. You have Sansa, you have Daenerys, and you have Cersei. That's pretty ripe for a, a big conversation, especially when they all come from, in their world, men who have either beat them down or treated them unfairly. So it speaks volumes to the fact that she was specifically chosen. Like the note wasn't for John. It was for Sansa. And I think it has to do with, with Cersei feeling like she might have a little bit of play with Sansa too. Exactly. Because the meeting was requested by John and Daenerys with Cersei. And then Cersei comes back around and she sends it to the lady of the lady of Winterfell mm-hmm. and John and Daenerys don't know that that letter was sent. So yeah, that is the, that is a game of Thrones play by her. To, to bring down uh, Sansa, but at the same time, she has to know, like, Cersei has to know Sansa doesn't trust her as far as she can throw her. Yeah, Jeff? And Sansa's not going to make the same mistake that Jon made by leaving the North. That's why she's sending somebody else as well. She's already worried mm-hmm. from what Arya was saying and what Arya found that people could defect from her if that comes out. So she's going to make it more and more apparent that she is pretty good at this job by staying here and following what the lords already want. John had an opt-out right. clause. He could leave because Sansa was there. Sansa can't leave because they, nobody even knows who Arya is. They wouldn't even let her in. So if I mean, Well, they know now. Well, like, they, they, know, are, they know who Arya and Bran are now, but neither Arya and Bran want to no, rule. Neither yeah. one want to rule. None of them want to do no, it. Everybody's no. kind of freaked out by both of them. No, and, and Arya <laughs> says as much because yeah. she said she'd rather... She, she liked being no one, and that's in the next scene. Uh, we see Sansa sneaking into Arya's room. She's looking for that note, man. She wants to find that thing and grab it and try to take it because she doesn't want Arya to get, give it up. 
And then out of the clear blue sky, Arya is behind her. Like it was no door. No, I don't even know if she might. Maybe she was behind the door. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was the assassin. Yeah. I mean, the, an assassin enters the room. You don't hear him except when you're entering Littlefinger's room. And it's like squeak, 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 yeah. squeak. Last week. <laughs> Jeff. Now, there were two faces in there. Mm-hmm. Uh and one wasn't a, a woman's face like she had used uh, to kill. Oh, she didn't use a face at all. But there's two faces in there. Mm-hmm. One is Walter Frey's. Yep. What is the other face? The other one looked like Jon Snow. No. It can't be she Jon Snow. I know, I know, I know, I know. She, I, I like know him, she can. But what I'm saying is it looked a lot like Jon Snow. I don't know. See, that's something I didn't research. I didn't research because I thought about like, huh, who knew that other face is? I bet the internet knows. I was, and then I watched her episode and I did not look it up. See, last night I was, I was watching was episodes and nobody could figure it out. Like people were scrambling trying to figure this out. Like it was a thing for like an hour. Yeah. yeah this like is on... where my theory comes in for this episode. So I'm going to stay quiet, but I just wanted to put a little earworm in you guys, uh, into you guys. All right. I'll, I'll take your earworm. <laughs> uh, do we want to... Uh, discuss the the was the threats or do you want to move on so the threats from both of them i uh, i think with with the, how that whole conversation went like our uh Sansan just being completely freaked out by finding her faces and then mm. realizing that she doesn't know Arya at all and Arya coming at her I think tr- just trying to make her unnerved to see where she would go uh, with everything that she's saying and playing the lion game and walking over with the dagger, acting like she's going to gut her right there and then just flipping it over and giving it to her. I think that's just a power play more than anything. I have a theory about this and like, I don't want to wait till the end cause I'll forget, but I, okay. I, I feel like she's flipping it and giving it to her. Because she's almost daring her. This is—I I feel like the the mind game is eventually going to warp around where Sansa's the one who takes out Littlefinger. It's very unSansa-like, and that's not something she would normally do because she's not the assassin. Mm. But the dagger's flipped, and it's like, listen, I'm not trying to kill you, so here it is. You can have it. And she gives it to her, but it's almost like a mind play to give to Little. At one point, Littlefinger's going to do something that's going to cross Sansa in a way that she sees that he's trying to play the entire game on her and she'll just. Also, this is kind of reminiscent of her training. If you think about it, very, very reminiscent of what she went through with, uh, in Bravos with the faceless man. So that's when Chris was talking, I was thinking that exact same thing. Yeah. That it clicked in my head as well. Maybe she is training Sansa this whole time. Yeah. She needs to train her to be able to, to kill with her own hands, not with dogs, or with her own hands to be able to to kill. And, and this could be this, why Arya seems so out of character, that she's she's controlling the uh, the conversation. And she's going to like, look, look at what he did to us and look at what he's done to everything else. And so Bran could play a play in this as well, too, and uh, tell the, the history. Because we know Bran knows everything he's done. We just don't know if there's had been another conversation yet. Um, when the sh- and the show could be keeping that one close to close to their best. That seems by a tree worgen somewhere or to next week. Yeah, I didn't. See, yeah, I didn't see much of that in the in the preview, but yeah, we should see something on next week. All right, now we're done with Winterfell. We're gonna move on to the quick scene. The uh, scenes they had in Dragonstone. So Tyrion's trying to convince Danny to uh, 
approach meetings with a calm demeanor. Like, you're about to go against my family who loves to instigate. Like, she's going to say stuff just to piss you off. And like, I'm not hot-headed. Yeah. She says while she blows up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, she, she gives Tyrion a backhanded compliment where she says that he's not a hero. And then she also states when he gives her the whole, well, hey, John's giving you googly eyes. And, oh, well, he's kind of little. And then she catches herself. And she's like, but not you. That's not what I really meant. I'm so sorry about yeah, making the short joke. It was it yeah. was really bad. Ta- it was like poor taste, but she caught herself like immediately and was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Which is good. That shows that she still respects mm-hmm. him. Uh, and, and she was talking about how her previous lovers have all been uh, tall, big dudes. Yeah. And, and John's a sharp, brave dude. But it was awesome because it was kind of like, so tell me about your sister. Is she the weird type or will she be conversational? Like she's asking basically like, how am I supposed to go into this thing so I know not to either – which she's asking, how do I not stick my foot in my mouth? Like what do I say? What do I not say? It's weird. It's almost like a first date with a sister. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, Danny also reminds Tyrion of his past failures again. Like just hitting that home like – you're giving advice now, and I still trust you as an advisor, but the recent advice you gave really put us in a bad spot. So, And she's not letting that go easily, and nor should she. And then he goes and starts talking about the future, and that's mm-hmm. what really starts getting her irked up. Because he's like, well, what happens when you get on the throne? What happens after that? And she's like, well, I can't have kids. Well, then you can pick somebody else. And she, that's when she starts blowing up and doesn't want to talk anymore. They were having a really great conversation before that because he was mm-hmm. talking about, you know, her fear is not enough and, and she's inspiring people. And he brought up the same thing that she brought up, oh, gosh, what was it, like two seasons ago, three seasons ago, where she wants to break the wheel that Argon built or Aegon built. Pardon me. And he keeps bringing that up. He keeps talking about the wheel because the entire episode, like this entire thing at Dragonstone, he keeps talking about the wheel. It's like it's, he's clinging to it. But that was a great conversation. And then, like you said, he brings up the the throne thing and she gets pissed she's just like f this i will talk about this when i'm on the throne she's too she focused got re- on the now and not on mm-hmm. the after the aftermath of of winning also hitting a nerve that she can't have children yeah that too that's a big nerve like i mean the dragons are her kids but it's also like my grandmother saying that her two dogs are her kids you know what i mean like it's not the same thing it's not like having children so for her, it, the fact that she can't have an heir to the throne might be a very big, you know, hot button. Again, a theory I have later on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably have the same one. Uh, same here. But yeah, that, so. and th- this succession conversation was definitely planted. This wasn't a, just a, oh, yeah, we need to fit it into the show somewhere. This is as good a spot as any. No, this was put into the show for this episode for many reasons to come later. The one line that I want to to talk about in this scene here though that i thought was really awesome is it when Tyrion said that you need to take the side of your enemies to see what it is that they do and i like that i like the fact that she has to learn sometimes to not be always on the offensive but almost play like think in the mind of cersei be cersei because if you just think like danny you're gonna get outplayed it's like a little play on like what Littlefinger is telling sansa to do as well like she's he's saying look at every angle and that's basically what Tyrion is saying but with different words right true all right now we're done with Dragonstone we've hit the two places now we're going beyond the wall we're going to the big long good 
story part. And they start with their the journey, the wall opening last week. Uh, it's like right at the, I think it was it, it crack of dawn or middle of the night, fire. And then we get this great on-screen chemistry we, we find with these people talking about the two that had the most chemistry by far were Tormon and the Hound. Oh, that was awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I want to see a TV show with them. I want to see the odd couple with those two guys. Just those two guys just living in an apartment together. Just, <laughs> um, I hate gingers and all that, all the stuff they talked about. Being kissed <laughs> by the flame, just like you. Yeah. Just like your face. Yeah. <laughs> you give me your face joke. My hair is kissed like the fire, just like your face, my man. <laughs> the one thing that I have written down in my notes is the scene opens up so that you can see vast mountains and how small this group not only looks in size, but in stature compared to where they're walking to. It gives you a sense of grandeur on how long or how far that. Oh, we'll bring this up later. How far a distance that they're traveling in order to to get to where it is that they need <laughs> to get to. But you want it, it gives you very it, a great perspective, and the panning scene not only tells you that they're on set, like do you know what I mean, like they're on location where they're at, but it also lets you know that this has a very movie like quality, which I appreciate. Right, exactly. It's not just walking up, walking through this snow thing, and then it's another set, then it's another set. Yeah, they're they're on somewhere. Um, I've been to, down south. Smells like pig shit. I've been to Winterfell. No, that's north. The north. <laughs> I, I I was roaring. I'm like, oh my god, this guy is so funny. Like, why does he not have more lines? Exactly. I think they realized that too. I think at some point, uh, it would have been some episode in the past where he just killed it, and they're like, no, we we need to like give Tormund more stuff. And this is, this was him like, all right, he's been over here at Eastwatch. He needs to be here for the show. But now that he's here, let's throw all the jokes. Let's get this guy going. There's even a reference to uh, when he's saying how to stay warm in the, in the North (laughs) and uh, walking's good. Yeah. Walking's good. Fighting's better. (laughs) Sex is best. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He said, you you like the uh, men. I was like, what? yes, and he was the one, and he's the one that uh, was known for uh, because he was cold having sex with a bear, yeah. and so, and, and then we get to see uh, later, right after <laughs> a, a like bear, he probably thing. wouldn't be wanting yeah. to do that with. For all the funny lines that Tormon had when he had his quick conversation with John, he was very poignant, even though he's a wildling, and he told them that he spent too much time with free folk, so he doesn't know what kneeling is like any longer, and he explained to him that. You know, how many people have died because somebody had too much pride to kneel? We'll yeah. find out later that that, actually, that line or that conversation might have had a little weight with John later on down the road. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There, there's more to it. Uh, he, he doesn't need to have his pride there. Uh, we also get to see uh, some of John's uh, character when he goes and gives Jor his dad's sword back. Like, this is your family sword. We get to see that conversation. That was there mainly to show, I mean, John is a great person. We all know that. And Jor is a good person. We get to see that. But it also continues on the uh, um, sort of the kids' line. Yeah. It's like, no, give this to your kids. It's like, oh, okay, well, check another check in a, a future conversation there. Yeah. They're setting this up. It's in this episode for a reason. Yeah, Longclaw plays a, a pivotal role in this this episode Longclaw is used three times in this episode where it's like literally you see the that uh wolf right at the top the hilt, and yeah. It, yeah the hilt and it's right in this part where he hands it to him like you can see it very clearly it'll be in two other scenes and I'll bring that up but that sword plays a, a pivotal role in this this hour and 20 minutes yep 
and then we get, we have to say a little stuff with uh with Gendry as well too about him uh up there but uh but the biggest surprise and one thing they they kept out and I think it was great that they kept out all of the trailers was the oversized undead polar bear on fire that yeah. thing was awesome that was awesome <laughs> that was beyond awesome like it was scary we had conversations gosh 3 4 episodes ago about whether any of these animals could be undead beside the horses well we right and i was against it i was like no way no way and this was them showing to me and others uh yes this was foreshadowing that animals besides horses can be turned that that polar bear scared the shit out of me when it came across the screen the first time because it was gone and then all of a sudden it jumps across screen and so is that guy like running and i'm like oh crap and i thought it was one of their guys like at, at the second time around, not the first time around, I saw it was a guy running. And then I was curious on why that person was running towards them and who he was. Because I don't know if he was a scout a or if he... Yeah. Oh, was he a wildling? Yeah, he was a wildling scout. scout? Yeah. Okay. So you got the yeah. oh, seven Oh, red shirt. Guys. We'll just call them red shirts. Yeah, he's got... Yeah. You've got the seven main guys, the Magnificent Seven, but they weren't the only ones. I think they went with like three or four different wildlings as well with spears. The other thing I noticed about this set piece um, that I have noted is that the snow is, is is so brutal in this part because they can't even see two feet in front of their face. It goes from being clear to as soon as they get in front of a white uh, of any sort that the snow comes flying down pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, um, but that was a good fight. We get to see uh, the hounds uh, fear of fire again. Yep. Uh, Tormon takes uh, some critical wounds uh, that... Uh, no. No, not Tormon. Sorry, Tormon. Uh, Thoros, Thoros, right? Yeah. Thoros, yes. Yeah. Ray- Thoros takes yeah. critical wounds. Sorry. It's another T word. Uh, T name. And uh, Jork. Then they keep on moving. Jork comes yeah. in with that, stabs the bear, takes the bear out. Ray's lighter comes up. Bear lights the flame. That guy guzzles a little bit more booze after the conversation about how much booze he drinks all the time. And he couldn't even – like when when George had that conversation prior, he was like, I fell for – he was like, you were like the best fighter. He's like, I don't even remember that, dude. I was too wasted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, we thought, that, we thought that you were the god. And he's like, nope, I was just the drunkest. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he just took some more drinks so he doesn't feel the uh, burning of – the singeing of his skin. I thought that that was the moment we'd lose the first person. Like right there, I didn't even think about the fact that he was going to light him on fire and kind of burn the wounds. But at that point, I kind of already had an indication that at at some point down the line, something was going to happen to Thoros. Like he, he just he was already wounded. Like it's all it's like carrying a guy when they have a military movie and he's the first person to get hurt and you're just dragging him along for the ride. At some point, you knew something was going to happen. Yeah, and and it it makes the anybody dying in the future more permanent because he's the guy, the only one that can resurrect people. Mm-hmm. So. That's a that's a huge death for the group right right there at that yeah, point. That's there. Even though it'll be tough Melisandre to do it. Is still around, but she's yeah uh, MIA at the moment. She'll be back. Yeah, in, yeah, in this group yeah. though, it makes it yeah in that group. Uh, if they had been caught somewhere, wherever we were seeing, it's like okay, every, everybody. Uh, if they die, they're they're not coming back unless they, they get they get raised at that and point. And Beric knows um, that he is done with his one ups. Yep. <laughs> no more. You no, know, so is John at this point because John had like that's almost like a back pocket for John too. We know John came back because of Melisandre. So like, if this guy's if Thoris is there, there's a shot that if if he were to go down, that he could probably come back again. So yeah, but he he has that script armor though, which we'll talk about a little yep. more later. Yeah, but uh, then we get to see which I didn't expect was a small band of uh, walkers, old man Night King. Yeah, and they they get a, and then they get an old man. Night in there, and they 
I was like, oh, okay, they, this might actually work. Then what, what was in that trailer? What was all that about? If they're just going to be able to take them out. But then we, but this was there for one major thing. And it was a revelation that if you kill whoever's warging, the walkers destroys all the walkers under. Yep. yep. So that really changes the, uh, the strategy in upcoming fights. And I just want to give Go props ahead. to John because he took that guy out so quick and very fluidly and it was like so much faster than his last uh, white walker kill and you can just yeah. see the growth of how how he is as a fighter as well and this is the part mm-hmm. where i was talking about the second time that long's claws out and like you can see him hold it up like this and then when he does that swing it was just like it was awesome because he he killed held back and then just it was almost like a baseball swing it was great oh yeah and I was like, oh, they just lost all their, their stuff. And then there was one walker uh, with them that wasn't in the group. And like that, <laughs> that dude was a major plot element the whole oh, time. Yeah. As soon as I saw him, I was like, crap, they know that like they're going to get ambushed so soon. And then you hear mm-hmm. uh, the uh, after they have fought to get him all covered up that there's somebody coming. Yeah, and he has that cry for help too. Are the are the whites smart enough to send one that is not warped into by like those guys just in case crap goes crazy that he's basically like a blip, like you know what I mean, like a blip on the radar, like up oh, they're still there. Okay, we now we need to go. I think so. Like that's that's what it looks like there. Plus it with what they do later on that we will be talking about. Uh, they're smart. They mm-hmm. they know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and these are the the what do we call them? The, like the ones who's not the Night King. Okay, but so the, uh, there's are, white, uh, there's the Night King, White Walkers, and then Whites, mm-hmm. and then Whites below. Yes. Them. Okay, so White Walkers are every they can they White Walkers can raise the dead, yep. and they're under the Night King. Yes. Okay. And as soon as that so as soon as that occurs, like John tells Jennery, get like a bat out of hell and get the hell back to the wall, and quickly tell Danny that like like now ASAP. And he he doesn't want to give up that big that big old axe or that the warhammer and hammer yeah and he was like please give that up it's so heavy you're not going to run fast yeah. you're faster with the ha- without the <laughs> hammer yeah yep and it, and it gives us the thought that in seeing that hammer in the preview that Gendry was the one who died because somebody else was wielding it so it, it it did some stuff there but this I think is a plot hole because why do they send Gendry one way and then they run the other way yeah. I mean. Where are you running to there besides to further along the plot the writers want? Everybody goes the other way. Uh, were they acting as bait to just die? They didn't know they were going to be isolated there. They couldn't have known it was a stranding situation. So no. this was just a huge pothole to make that scene up. And in terms of uh, fighting logistics, I, I ain't buying it and I really didn't like it at all. Would you? So what I think... Uh the strategy that they were probably thinking was they have their scout that they send out that can move faster than them. And they're going to go on a different path to get back there uh, because they're going to be slower since they have a body that they have to carry plus Thor. Uh, man, I can't remember the, the pre- Thoros. Thoros, is, uh, Thoros is wounded. So they're going to be mm-hmm. slower anyway. So they, he, he can, if they can keep away from them as long as they can while he goes and gets reinforcements somehow, then that's it. They didn't think that the whole freaking army was going to show up, I think. 
and then yeah because they didn't know it was the whole army at that point yeah. but still at, 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 at that scenario um if you know the wall is one way and you're going to be running then you just t- to me everybody turns and runs that way and then hope you can outrun and, and fight them uh instead of just running in opposite direction of where the the exit yeah. is it's like it's like oh god there's a killer in the house where should i go upstairs that seems safest <laughs> two thoughts on that one i i was actually nervous for gendry when he gave over warhammer i thought that something was going to happen to him on the travel back like i got a sense for like uh, like a second what as he yeah. th- that quick when he ran and he had a pause for a second i thought maybe he heard something or maybe they, maybe they were kind of circling around and he wasn't going to make it there Second, the reason why they didn't backtrack is because they can't take that dead back to the wall because the wall has magic and, and that dead couldn't go back inside. So they have to go towards the water. They have to try to get it away from the – or they have to go in a direction that's not the wall because the last time uh, a dead was brought into the wall, that's when the hand stopped, stopped moving because it was brought inside. So they can't. So they oh, can't. so they're trying to get to like a boat. They're trying to get to like another, not another uh, place. They can't go okay. back. So, that's why, that's yeah. why you see Sandor throw – throw the white into a boat before mm-hmm. getting in himself uh, okay okay yeah that that makes sense i wish i would have said that and like at any point in time when they were coming up with this plan last episode of this one because it does make a lot of sense uh taking him around the wall or over the wall with the dragon or whatever maybe sure. but uh yeah y- y- say it <laughs> you had an hour and a half this week use your words yeah that, there's also a continuity thing because they have seen Oh, never mind. Never mind. Let's just... I, I answered it for myself. <laughs> there's not a no, continuity there, thing. Like, it's, there's nothing at all. I was thinking about the opening <laughs> scene in season one, mm-hmm. uh, where they see those, but then I remember... Uh, see the white the whites for the first time, and it's all... Uh, uh, Forest. Crap. Wildlings. It's all Nightwatch and, and Wildlings. And, and so, most of those, though, they die. Yeah. Yeah, except for the one that uh, deserted afterwards. Yeah, mm-hmm. so right. that ha- all happened on the other side of the wall, and uh, for some reason, I was thinking that it just happened in the north. Oh, okay. Then you get the gotcha. oh shiz, the cavalry's coming, which means all of those whites are just like flying down. It almost reminded me of like the the uh, the Lion King in that scene where all the uh, where they had all of the the stampede, stampede coming in. Yeah, because that's what yeah. it felt like, and it was it was suffocating. Like, it was really, like, I felt kind of panicked a little bit. Like, there was a lot. It yep. was very- and uh, they were running all around them. And uh, I really liked how they played that scene of how they run across, run across the lake. But the mass of the mm-hmm. uh, the whites uh, were forcing them down into the water. Um, although I did like the direction they took, sending Gendry away. Like I said, if they were all running that way and got stranded. But I understand you have to get a message out somehow. But the how that played um i like the physics of that that's also uh, the whole imagery of the battle from there on is very battle of the bastards uh if you if you see it like the circling getting encircled by the whole army and then getting enveloped by it uh it takes Mm -hmm. a it takes a while before they actually uh get enveloped like a few days pass uh, while they're stuck on this island in the middle of the lake while whites just stand there looking at them with the white walkers up on a cliffside. That's another very unclear aspect of that episode. It seems just like a day-night cycle and that's it. 
like evening, day, then that happens because you see the hound throw the stone. Where I think from your point, and I uh, now that I'm reading a little bit more, this is m- maybe a little bit longer than just like a day-night cycle. But it does it uh, initially. I didn't think that when I saw it. I'm like, oh wow, it's evening and then it's day again. Okay, and now it's frozen because the Night King showed up and he froze everything, or like he brings like a lot more cold than w- was initially there. I don't know, but it was really just I that part I didn't like. I didn't like that that yeah. aspect of it. Yeah, he who was bored first cast the first stone, yeah. and the hound was bored first, and he started throwing the stones and knocks a jaw <laughs> off. And, oh, man, that that was a pretty funny scene. I was surprised that everybody kind of let that happen. But then again, they're all just kind of frustrated at that point, And they're all probably a little intimidated by Sandor because he's bigger than all of them by a few inches. Jor- Jorah yeah. said something to John already, though. Jorah told John that that was going to freeze quickly. So they needed to either get, you know, get the hell out of Dodge or they were going to die. It was it, one or the other. So it wasn't like we were all surprised. That was a really quick line. He just said it real fast, and then they cut to another scene, and then they, then they did the stone thing, but Jorah had told John that. Now, I have a question about this part. Um, when the Whites start charging, do you think that is the Whites showing sentience, or is it the White Walkers that control the Whites sending them in finally? White Walker sending them in because they send in a few at a time just to test the ice. They send the first one out, he tests the ice, and then it's they it, they drag they straggle a few of them out uh, to test the ice. So I think it was the the White Walkers themselves because the white the White Walkers themselves were holding them all back in the in the circle around the lake, and then I think that was them sending them forward. But that's just my theory. How did you take Barrick's conversation with John when he challenged him and said, "Are we here? Are we raised by the Lord of Light to sit here and watch, or can we go right through him?" And he points right at the, the Night King. I, I mean, he was really calling John out. I, I mean, I, I guess from his perspective, he thought John was cowering and just holding point, where the way out was to go through him. And maybe he's just not wise enough because John's had experience with the Night King before. Yeah, and um, I. Because I think Barrack wasn't trusting that they were going to be saved. I think he was thinking they were going to die there. And if we're going to die, or in that scenario, if the only way out is to starve or to uh, fight your way out to him, if you know that at this point, then you put all your shoulders in, you try to charge through that their ranks. And if you can get to that guy first, then you know, you end the long night. But uh, whoever is still alive, whenever he goes down, lives through the day, uh, lives to see another day. So I think that was his strategy. Like, if, let's fight our way through it before we're too weak to even hold a sword. But I think I think that was Barrick's thinking because I don't think he trusted they were going to get out of there. We we glossed over it, but in this part of the scene, this is where Thoris st- passes away. Yeah. Um, and right. so Barrick uses Ray's lighter, does a Viking funeral basically with the and and just lights him up. And, and has to kill him because if, if not, he's going to turn into a white and they don't want that to occur, especially where they're standing. At least at that point, they still have, you know, high ground or whatever it is. You know, at that point, the water hasn't frozen completely. So, Right. And uh, I, I was just almost yelling. I wasn't yelling at the screen, but I was like, uh, they better kill him because we've all seen yeah. Walking Dead. Like, yeah. he's going to turn right. or they're going to lift him up. Like, you better do Light something. And luckily, John knew that. Yeah. Luckily, John knew that and did something about this it. This leads to another plot point later. Um so Hound throws the rock, 
and this was the dumbest move ever. It continues on, and now the whites start charging. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this is where stuff gets dicey. Uh, they start getting overrun. They fend, fend them off. You get to see that, yes, they did definitely bring dragon glass as well. Like, mm-hmm. you didn't actually get to see Jory use the dagger, like, if it was a dragon glass dagger, because he just did it super quick and stabbed the, the bear. But then you get to see everybody's weapons are dragon glass that they're using for the whites. Nice. I w- and you get to see the one that's like hit with a hammer, not die, because that one wasn't hit with a dragon glass weapon. Uh, and it and it just gets right back up. Yeah, They did a nice pan shot. They, they actually pulled up and you could see the swarming and how little the rock was and how many of the whites there were. It was yeah. insane. It, yeah, like Jeff was saying, that, that was very similar to that Battle of the Bastards swarming scene, but uh, it also had a, the same ending of it, but I'm jumping ahead on that one. But but one thing I didn't like was just a red shirt style, really. That's not Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I mean, Thoros was already dead. In a battle that's that chaotic and you're getting surrounded like that, previous episodes of Game of Thrones set up my expectations that somebody major dies in a scene like this and only red shirts die? Come on, Game of Thrones. I gotta give a shout out to the one, uh, the last red shirt that dies, though, because he goes in there and he sa- saves John's ass and then fights off a few other ones and then loses his balance and dies. So I was like, oh, this dude's awesome. And then I was like, oh, yep, there he goes. Never mind. Fall into the, <laughs> to the pit. And Sorry, dude. They teach yeah. you a little bit, they give you that Tormund, like almost. I mean, it was so damn close. He went down, and when the leg, when they started pulling from out of the water because they had fallen in, I'm, oh, he's just gonna get pulled in, and then the hound was just like, ah, oh, you gotta hook up with Brienne. I can't do this, and then he goes and grabs him, <laughs> and it was, I was like, yes, like I, I thought that he had lost an arm or like something would have like severely happened to him. Nothing. Dude was unscathed besides like a scratch on the face or the head. Was it a forehead? I, yeah, I can't he remember. had a gash on his forehead. That was it. Like, was the crazy. The, the thing, yeah, but go ahead. But that was the thing. That's what the thing I was saying, though. They, they kept surviving. Like every time I thought somebody of our main crew died, it was some faceless red shirt. And every time that happened, I would lose interest in the battle. Even though it was a good action sequence, I was losing interest because not because I wanted anybody to die, because I wanted to I wanted it to to make me feel something for them. And when it's just I mean, it's just cannon fodder uh, that they're throwing uh, out in the script. I'm like, oh, come on, get, get, get me interested in the scene. Yeah. Cajun. Go ahead. I was going to say, Cajun, you hate scenes in certain movies. There's a certain thing you despise in every movie when they do these flat, they do these dream sequences. I personally mm-hmm. hate when they do what they did to Jon Snow and have these stupid, I'm confused, I'm breathing really heavy, everything's going really slow. I hate that. It's like because as soon as that happens, a major moment's about to occur. They're either going to snap out of it or somebody's going to rescue him. I hate all, I, all of it. And bef- Yep, I can agree with that. And so before that, they had a qu- a few quick cuts. Gendry gets to the wall. Yes. And uh, Davos and a few other people come and receive him. Davos tries to shake him and get his attention and be like, hey, what what's going on? He's like, send a raven. That's all that Gendry can get out. And so he quickly, Davos just starts yelling, get a raven, get it, go. And then we quick cut again right over to Tyrion and Danny talking and Danny's mounting up and getting ready to go, and Tyrion doesn't want her to. That was heartfelt. Like his his eyes were watering. He's just like, "Don't go." They knew what they were getting into when they left. 
Do not leave. They've already almost hit you with an arrow once. I cannot... We just talked about the fact that you have nobody that succeeds you. So who's going to lead us if you die? Yep. And this this leads to something uh, that I missed not being on the regular cast last week that I'm just going to go through. Because last week I was regretting not being on so hard for uh, not being able to be on with you guys. But I was in the car listening and I was like... Would you rather just watch them walk or ride in a boat the whole time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when y'all doing the whole fast travel conversation. <laughs> but uh, so right now we're not in the book section. So this is just kind of me just talking about this whole scenario of, of travel. Um, because Gendry was sent, Raven was sent, and then Danny got there. But we're not seeing the exact uh, time that went by. We, we saw them walking to that spot, which we think took maybe two-thirds of a day if you look at from when they got up in the morning when they left there and then he ran all the way back and then he got there at night um so we put that as a couple hours we say maybe had a two-hour runtime uh on that but the book one thing i wanted to make a point before i get into that was uh the details was we don't have the books right now so we don't have the books or they the writers don't have the books to have all of this george R. R. martin exposition in there um of they talked about this on this journey that on that journey they just have the major plot points and we can get these people to these places and do these plot points this stuff works out a lot better um uh yeah what i've noticed about game of thrones in general is that they don't do they they do a lot of just quick cuts and they don't tell you what time uh what how much time is passing between events and like the only way that they could really do it is if they did like the SVU type thing where you see the timestamp or whatever, but then it wouldn't yeah. feel, it wouldn't feel right. I kind of like it mm-hmm. being more fluid myself, at least more fluid and just moving the story along and you just, you're just like, okay, I guess time has passed here. Yeah. yeah there's some, they, there, they could create timeline issues with that, but actual like, uh events happening because they did show them waking up um so uh from their uh from sleep so they at least had one night there and most raven communication in the show happens less than a day so i mean say genji's run was say two hours raven raven communication across westeros is say about 12 and then dragons fly faster than ravens will assume that and so that's less than that back so i mean we're looking at a little over 24 hours and we could assume that they've been on the rock that for a while ice is frozen back up they're talking about running out of supplies they've been on it for a bit and the, uh the white walkers were just starving them out so i think that yeah without all that information and looking at it that way that it, it could seem that there's some there's some timeline issues there but um i i, I i'm just trying to put all the uh, the math together on it and it it, it could work uh if they were even if they were there just for one night and not two it's a stretching though yeah, especially like if you think about how it long it takes for Thoros to actually bleed internally enough to die, because yeah, they cauterize right. the wound, but you can live a little uh, for a while just bleeding internally. Right, and you don't have to show like them waking up two nights or anything like that, um, and to to make that point hit. This is like they they woke up. They're talking about starving. We they they said it enough, and then we can go on from there. Because if you're trying to like do like what we were all talking about last week, if you're trying to talk about all of this, uh, the the fast travel, it's the, 
everybody's traveling at the same speed. And some of the times, if you actually try to do the math on it, could affect the timeline of the show if you really stretch to do that part of it. But right now, we're just making the assumption that everybody needs to get there uh, and their timing, they're leaving to work out just right and to get the show to move along where we don't have to watch them walk and ride in boats like we did a lot of the previous seasons, which made them pretty boring. I think the part that affects people the most is that timelines typically happen in sequential order, and so there's no difference. You know what I mean? Like, everything happens in an hourly fashion in most things that you watch. So for this to take leaps and bounds and such great stretches on distance and time, I think that's the part that just affects people because people can't just wrap their head around it. If you think in terms of of it being high fantasy then you just throw all of that out the window. It doesn't matter. Like, it could happen whenever it happens, and they that doesn't care. And I think they hang their hat basically on that. But you have to be cautious of the fact that you can't make it... You, you can't make it in this day and age because it's that's not that's not what it is. Right. And that that's something... Uh, and just, just a quick aside, that's something I really like about the Wheel of Time series that's being made and can, being compared to Game of Thrones uh, and... Uh, Lord of the Rings is that this, uh, they have fast travel in that world if, with magic, so that's going to help out a lot of this stuff because <laughs> that world has fast travel. At, for real. as a as a side note, I don't want to sugarcoat it. This is the part that pisses me off the most. Like I don't like the fast travel. I think it's it's a really quick and easy out for writers. I think it makes things a little bit easier for them to get from plot point A to point B, and it kills the minutia. It also, to your point, Cajun, is the part where like two seasons ago, this wasn't as much of an issue but that's also because they had exposition to go with now they're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants and also i'm sure he uh, martin has some say so in this it's like you can't say too much because that's not what i'm writing in my next book so don't you know major points yes all the minor stuff no right and like i said but i'm on the opposite side i don't want to see the minutiae because i've had enough minutiae the entire game is set up before me you've set up this all of these major events to happen the minutiae in between it it's just fluff give me give me something awesome and and let's go with it but danny just comes in just like the knights of the veil did just in the nick of time so all of this time stuff works out just right. John's just about to give up. Just like Jeff was saying, and uh, like Chris was saying, like you hate that scene. He's about to give up, and then he just Danny comes in and saves the day. It's like, is John ever gonna get like a death where he's not saved just at the right moment? Come on, man. It will except at Night's Watch. Yeah, he, killed it. he got one. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got one of those. It's it was really fast. The dragons came in. They cleared house. And when I say cleared house, they didn't clear all the whites. I mean, they just cleared a path. Basically, I think somebody talked about this last week on the episode that they were just going to clear a wall so people could get could get out. Yeah. Well, the getting out part was hopping on those dragons. Danny reached out the hand to John. John was like, "No, I'm going to clear out everybody so that they don't take out the dragons while you get everybody else on." And then at that point, that's when the Night King became uh, 1984 Bruce Jenner with the javelin. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> he for sure was there. And so two things on that one. There's, there's two things that actually kind of bother me with that. Not the fact that he hit the dragonfly and I get that he's supernatural powers. You got it. But um, all of the people that you're trying to kill are right there on the ground. You can drop the dragon right there who's stationary. Why are you trying to get the one that's in the air instead of just getting the, all, the, all the people that you're trying to get right there on the ground? So that to me was kind of like... Why is he throwing down? Because he's about to throw. I'm like, oh, no, he's going to shoot at Drogon. And he doesn't even do that. And then the other one is John. 
He's just like fighting away from the dragon. The whole time he's trying, people are trying to escape. He's like, oh, I'm going to be a hero taking step after step away from the dragon instead of backing up to the dragon and then getting on and they can go. So those two things really bother me in terms of like, why are people doing those things? I'm yelling at them and doing stupid stuff. The thing that bothered me is that none of those three dragons hit the, the Night King at all. I don't even understand where they were going. I, I get that Danny doesn't know who the Night King is, but on accident, he doesn't take out any of those three dragons don't take out like a number two in command a number three in command no because all those guys are sitting with him and they're the guys handing him the the javelin like here you go there's another one here you go there's another one it's crazy well also you notice when he's about to throw the dra- uh the javelin that he walks through dragon flame yep and, and squashes it and yeah it oh, no, goes just, out it, no moves it away yeah. before like it moves before he even gets yeah it. It, awesome. it starts to extinct it, he's like he has an aura of just extreme cold or something and it just extinguished all the flame around him and then yeah he he threw that that was a geyser of blood guys i mean i felt like i was watching uh kill bill for a second because of how much blood came out of that dragon you thought that white screamed uh, hard. That dragon screamed hard. Like oh, that yeah. was a screech. Yeah. That was it was bad. Yeah. And uh, it's enough that his brother spun around and like you could see the neck turn because he saw what happened and it's just like a plane just going down without a wing. Like it was whew. it was it was gut wrenching. It was gut wrenching. Yeah. I, I felt for Danny yeah. and I like before the, the dragon even hit the ground, I'm like, oh no. Like and I had talked about like, oh, a dragon's gonna go down, but I didn't like I didn't know I was gonna be emotionally like attached to a dragon going down. Like, oh no, like really? Yeah. And everybody's just silenced on the ground. I mean, everybody. I'm everybody from yeah. from that group. You know what I mean? The and it was the one Jeff picked. Yeah, it, it was confirmed by uh, the official Twitter that it was Viserion that fell and yeah. not Rhaegar or Rhaegal. Okay. The Night King yeah. takes another shot. And he's like, another beer, please. And he's ready to go with that second javelin. But I don't think he was trying to take out Danny. I think he's trying to stretch this out. I think that he missed on purpose. That uh, Drogon does a pretty hard F-15 maneuver. I mean, he, he does a top. Drogon does a top gun, like, get out of the way. I mean, she almost yeah. lost Those things aren't Jorah team. because of that of that move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just I feel like after the sh- the magical shot that he took uh, at the at the previous dragon that he could probably hit this dragon. Pre- I, we're talking about a dragon that's not really up off the ground yet, right? Like it's stag- no, the dragon was fully off the but ground, stag- and I disagree. F- I I disagree fully. That it was fully off the ground in flight, going away, and did a maneuver while in the air to while it was being thrown. So the dragon was watch the scene again. Dragon was flying in the air, and then uh, sensed it or saw it coming. And then did a full-on maneuver to get out of the way. And like Jeff said, almost lost Jor because of that maneuver. So yeah, he was trying to hit the dragon. He just threw it in the wrong order because he should have thrown at Drogon first. But that would have completely messed up the storyline. But it was also didn't make much sense on why he was he was throwing it that way. I yeah. also think like Drogon kind of has script armor as well. Like he's just going to survive for a bit. Um, that dragon and- didn't turn its head. Exactly. And I the thing is is that they're both white walkers and dragons are magical beings. So I think that they might have a a, a sixth sense with magical beings. That's why uh the Night King could find uh find Bran while he was warging. 
And right. it's kind well, of that. But also it could well. be because the Night King's a, a warger as well. Mm -hmm. And so he, because he wargs the dead and Bran wargs the living. So, yeah. But yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff to it. You might be right, Chris. He might not have turned to say, but yeah, he definitely did a maneuver on that. No, I saw no, I saw him do the maneuver. I just thought that maybe it wasn't as much of I don't know. I and we'll maybe maybe yeah. this is down the road, so we'll talk about it then. Theory, uh, gotcha. And it's worth theorizing as well. <laughs> like this is yeah. all theories because uh, yeah, it's what exactly. we do best. Sorry. So John, John comes out of the water after looking like he was going to go down in the water. This is the part where he is ice, where Danny is fire. Mm -hmm. And it was a cheap fake out yep. too. I did not like that fake out death John scene right there at all. I'm like, really, you're gonna do that again? Like, you, you did it with uh, Jamie. Is Jamie gonna drown or die? At least they had him come out of the water this episode and didn't have people waiting all week. But still, come on, yeah, man. they can't do that twice uh, in a season. I didn't like it. Or I guess yeah, they can. I, yeah, I'd much rather him make it on Drogon than have that scene. I thought that was cheap. Another, I, I brought this up. This is the third time. This is the third time they pan on Long's Claw again because he grabs and that sword happens to be right there and it shimmers and you can see like his eyes change for a quick second because of the lighting and then it flips back again when he goes to grab, like when he grabs himself out and he looks, he is completely staggered and this is the part that bothers me again. It's like, oh, well, there's nobody here. I guess we're all leaving. And so all of the whites are ready to take off, and they go. They turn around. They're like, dump, dump, dump. "Oh crap! There's Jon Snow. Let's go attack him." It was really weird. Like they were all ready to go leave, which sounds kind of weird that they were all go ready to leave, considering what happens at the end. I exactly, but I I thought that as well too. But then I had another major question. So I had two major questions: sure. Why are they leaving? Where do they get the chains? They were leaving to get the chains. So maybe that's what I think that he, that he was like, let's go get the chains and we'll come back and get this dragon. Let's go get the and chains. I think that was that. I think that's where they were going. They were going to hard home because that's where all the, uh, they, they have uh, the boats and stuff. So they went, went, go get the chains to pull the dragon out. So that answers two questions on why those, why those things happen right there. That's where they hide. But yeah, they, they did turn away a little too fast instead of leaving anything behind there. Um, but yeah, let's go get the big ass <laughs> chains guys. Let's go back to heart. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I can think of where they got him. But then Uncle Benjamin comes in. This is this John Snow is saved just in the nick of time twice in this episode. Yep, twice. <laughs> Fouts called this one. Fouts said that Benjamin was coming in and he was going to come in. I didn't think he was going to be wailing and shooting that flame as he's coming along. But it, you know what? It, it's pretty awesome. Do you think? And I know this is a stretch, so Cajun's probably going to pop some holes in this. He saved Brand last year. Right in to la in last mm -hmm. season, do you think Bran maybe warned him to tell him where John was at? Uh, no. Well, I think that no. How could he? Bran Coldhands has been, or not Bran? Benjamin Coldhands has been the following the White Walkers this whole time. Okay, he's probably been hunting them this whole time. Okay. Yeah, and Bran would have no way to communicate with Benjamin to let him know that. I mean, he can. I mean, I don't know if he can he can talk or have conversations with anybody. I, I was just thinking he's very close. And if if he didn't, then why did Benjamin wait all the way until now to come and help them? Uh, well, uh, MacGuffin. <laughs> he needed him to come in at this time. MacGuffin. Whatever reason that is, we're throwing that into this. The, That's going to be the reason why he's just he, he stayed away while they were all starving and all trapped on an island until the moment that John popped out of the water. Yeah. 
Well, he probably, he couldn't help them at that oh, point, okay. but he, he at least he probably he could have made an influence, and he, he did, had a really but... long feast that he had to eat beforehand, make sure that his calorie intake was at the pivotal point, just so he could swing level. all of that, uh, all of his uh, incense, fiery incense <laughs> holder. <laughs> Is yeah, he like not half little... undead enough, like in The Walking Dead, where he could just like get by as pretending to be one of the dead? He, they, he just doesn't pass as a dead, so they ju- they they yeah. kill him. I'm gonna at this yeah. point they know they know who he is. Yeah, they saw him right as soon as it, as soon but as they see him the... start attacking all the other ones. I think that his cover was blown if he was walking with them, but he couldn't. I don't think uh, you haven't seen any other uh, whites on a horse unless uh, unless they were a white walker. Right. Can you kill? That's can you true. kill Benjamin? Like, is he dead? Dead, or is he still who he was? But he just goes down to those guys because he really wasn't alive. He was half alive, half dead. Yeah, he was so, right in between. I don't. There's think... an op- there's an opportunity to bring him back. Maybe. Who knows? It's uh, a stretch, no, because, but I mean, I... Uh, they need they needed him to die. Okay. Like, they, if he's back, he's a, he's a White Walker, I think. But I think at that point, they needed him to die, and they needed him to be the most unnecessary death in that show's history. Sure. It, that, I mean, it was dumb. It really was. It was yeah, like ser- it, He had time to get on the yeah. horse. He had room to get on the horse, and he had no reason to not get on that horse. Uh, except we need you to die, uh, or at least people think you're dead right now. So please let people think you're dead and don't get on the horse. This doesn't make sense. So yeah, there's uh, an- another maneuver that uh, that bothered me. Um, unless unless the, sh- the showrunners have him coming back. Um, as a White Walker for something else uh, in the future, that makes sense right there. Uh, if he 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 ends up being the one that kills uh, the Night King, then I will take back everything bad I said about that scene. Yeah. <laughs> I could see him being brought back so that John has to take him out at some point in in season eight. That would actually make you know what I mean that it where you have to go against mm-hmm. you know the person who saved you and what whatnot. But I don't if they know. do a Marvel zombie type thing, and I'm, I'm not going to be happy. Where oh yeah, the, we see Hodor, and then oh we see Benjamin, we see all of these other people that have fallen to to them. I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna be that happy about that. I'm gonna throw this out, and please shoot me. Um, Bran can't take over whites. No, he can't warg into a white. Mm, I, he's never shown his ability to do that. Never. Mm, just because he hasn't shown it doesn't mean it can't happen. I have a Benching. theory that might help you with that. Okay, I'm just curious. I, I'm really. I, it's not something I believe. I'm just throwing it out there, just like because I don't know the answer to it. Basically, right. Dan, Danny seems speeding yeah, through to begin. Yeah, there. Danny seems pretty distraught right. when she's up in the tower mm-hmm. after after the whole event. Yes. Right. So she's distraught over two reasons: one, obviously because of the dragon passing, and two, because John's not around. Right. I was actually pretty surprised yeah, at how well tell. she took losing a dragon, though. She she took that pretty well, like with her processing and everything. When she's sitting and waiting for John to actually, once he actually shows up at the wall, she's sitting there and she's like, "No, I needed to see this. This this needed to happen. I needed to lose a dragon because now I know what's going on." Basically. It really takes away from her calling them her kids. A little, a little bit, but also she's been through a lot. Like she's, she lost that, uh, that kid, uh, Drogo's kid. She lost her husband, Carl Drogo. She's, I mean, she's been through a ton. So she could definitely be desensitized to uh, severe loss emotions. It, 
it does so she uses this L losing viserion galvanizes her wanting to kill the white uh the night king this galvanizes it she he killed one of her babies yeah. now she is going for him basically that yeah that's a good point yep uh, because she was always, I mean, she was always going to try to uh, to do that, but I think it, it, you're right. It, it puts more of a, a more of a focused target uh, than she had previously. This does give her a reason. You're right to to your credit. It gives her a reason now to go, to side with John. There is no other. There's no excuse. There's no maybe we could figure out a different way. Cersei's not going to believe. Blah blah. Now we have three or four people coming to the coming to this meeting at some point saying, Hey, guess what? They, these, these are alive and we really need to take care of them I don't even care if Cersei doesn't believe them because I, I really don't feel like she's going to believe them anyway but at, if she well they, they do have that white yeah. though they yeah. do have that they do yeah. they still have yeah, that they white, so that white. They, they're going to leave at least one piece of evidence yep. for them yeah. and, but she's not going to care she's still going to start to stab them in the back anyway that's that's her plan anyway but do uh, we wanna, at least she knows that it's a threat do you want to talk about the cutaway scene to the sea first before we talk about the final scene at the away from the wall Sure. Yeah, because I mean, they're making Danny and John get closer. Mm -hmm. It's it's uh, and it did a little fan service calling her Danny because we've been calling her Danny the whole time, but we didn't realize that the show uh, never called her that except Khaleesi. season one. <laughs> Khaleesi. Khaleesi, mother of dragons. Khaleesi, Khaleesi. Yeah. I feel like it's really like a Sean Connery thing. Khaleesi. Um, yeah. I'm Jor what I like. Jormormont. Yes. <laughs> uh, what I liked about this scene prior to and after was she finally got to see the the stab wounds to the heart where john was resurrected so without him having to talk about it anymore she already knows what that is which is a big deal that's a that's a huge deal that's how he was resurrected how he's brought back from the dead that's a conversation for later but she got to see the wounds which she's been asking about for flipping ever and john is the one who seems a little more wooed he's the one grabbing hands and she's the one who's like i don't know how i feel about this every person Who's ever called me Danny dies. So Don't I need that. a little bit. I need a little bit of time. Can you <laughs> give me a moment? And she walks away from John, and he then he goes back. It was like he he was on drugs from you know all the wounds, and he woke up to say hi, and then he's like, okay, I'm gonna go back to sleep, and then he was out, lights out right after their conversation again. Okay, so this broke my heart. This scene broke my heart. Why is that? Because even though he didn't. He did. He bent the, the verbal. Knee. I talked yeah. about this last week. The verbal bending of the knee. He Do verbally it. bent the knee and broke my heart. Yeah. Well, he held up for a long yeah. time. I, I still call it right. I still say you were right on that one because he, he held out through every chance she, she threw at him. It was a mutual uh, thing. She said she would follow him. And he said he would call her queen. And I think it was just a sign. It To me, it was more of a mutual respect thing. I respect you. You respect me. Now we're on an even playing field. Obviously, I like you a lot. I'm holding your hand. But uh, professionally, I'd like to you and I are more. more yes. But professionally, we're, we, I see you as an equal now. Where it, before it was, I demand you call me this and I'm not going to do that. It's uh, To me, it was more of a semantic thing. Yeah, they held hands like let's let's our two houses join. Let our forces <laughs> combine. Let us forces together. Combine. We're she, Targaryen incest. They brought up the no kid thing again. Yep. Yeah, this is the foreshadowing. They they did it full circle. So the first one was Tyrion. Uh, we need a plan for the future. You have no heir, 
And then John to Jorah, give this sword to your kids. And then Danny says, I can't have kids. I'm like, you said that you've done three things about kids and Danny and John and kids. Like they're basically, that was just all the foreshadowing about them to uh, making babies. Oh, yeah. uh, so this is all of yeah. us all just together saying they're going to, they're going to have a baby. That's probably. without question. Yeah. yeah. That's without question. Yep. Like she, I can't have them. It's going to happen. Yeah, it. I feel like it. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna happen. And that, and she couldn't maybe outside of her family, and that, that although that's gross in our world, her entire family heritage has been uh, interbreeding, yeah. um, and so that may be the secret to having a kid. The final scene so. is the one that's caused the most controversy. Believe me, this episode on Twitter and across uh, the internet last night and today has taken a crap storm of issues, problems. Likes and dislikes, all the same. But let's talk about what happened after uh, after everybody was away from the wall, and it was just the whites and the, and the Night King. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So the Night King gets his dragon. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And third dragon uh, hashtag third dragon rider confirmed. We know hardly anybody picked the Night King being the dragon rider. Yeah. <laughs> I. Yeah, you did. But I, I really liked the scene. I thought it was really interesting. Um, I didn't like how fast they were able to underwater scuba dive to throw chains to go get a dragon. To how fast did they do it? Was it a minute, two minutes, an hour, two days? I don't know. Are, are they smart enough to go underwater and swim? Probably. No, they just need to walk. You don't need to swim. You just you break the ice and they walk down. They don't need to breathe. They can just walk on the water, mm-hmm. tie the dragon up follow the chain and just follow it, come right back out. And it could have taken them days to do it. This wasn't a, a, a flash forward. So the chain like was, was, was able to... We have no concept of time. Well, the reason, the reason why I'm asking is because they all fell in the water and then weren't able to come back up again when they were down there when the when the water broke prior. So were they pulling all the dead bodies back up again after the, they all fell in the water? The ones that froze and like when they were going after... It's not that... It's the, not enough only, to really matter since they had like... Right. Uh, Thousands, thousands and thousands of, thousands of yeah. them. Just, like think yeah. of an ant hill. If you lose like a hundred, you still have nine hundred ninety nine thousand. It just seems super convenient yeah. and very quick. Although time frame again means nothing. I'm learning that. I I'm I'm gonna buck against this all the time because I think it's silliness and it's yeah, it's it's because really how you watch shows and how they tell their stories. No, it, for me it's sloppy writing. It's just like okay, we can make up whatever we want as far as time frame is concerned. So it could be eighteen days from now. Let's go pull them up I, out of the water. I disagree with sloppy writing because I don't want to see them sitting there on the beach thinking of a plan. I don't want to see them go get the chains. I don't want to see the, the White Walkers going underneath and tie it. I mean, you're just spending extra time doing it. The more dramatic effect is them pulling on those chains out of the water with uh, that five to ten seconds on the screen. You're seeing them doing it and you're all like, oh, it's the dragon. And you're seeing them pulling out. So everybody's experiencing and coming to that realization at the same time as an audience uh, to create that effect. That's the effect they're trying to do there. And showing all the other stuff it is, is unnecessary to get there. You just have to make the assumption that these things happened uh, uh, to get them down there. Because, like, yeah, all those White Walkers that fell under the water, they don't need to throw chains down to them. They can walk up themselves. They can just come up to the ice and then uh, break their way out because they don't need to breathe. They can just all just walk right out, the ones that weren't killed by dragon glass. And so the same ones that walked down to go get it can do the exact same thing. They can walk down, tie it up, follow the chains back out. And at the end of the day, yeah, HBO can give themselves 10 minutes more episodes showing us all that stuff, but I don't think it tells a better story. I think it just drags it No, but more. some exposition between the white and 
the Night King would be great. Like, I'd like to know how they could. They don't talk. He just points. He's like, uh, uh, go. <laughs> so it's caveman style, unga bunga. What was uh, what yeah. I really liked of the entire scene, and I didn't care for the chain thing, but what I did like was him walking up and just touching the dragon. And that long, I don't know, what was it, 15 second pause on the eye? Like, I mean, come on, just like flip the eye. We all know it's going to go blue, dude. Like, let's just let it go blue. Yeah. Exactly. There was, uh, that was the thing that you just knew was going to happen. Let it happen. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just didn't know that the Night King was a Yu-Gi-Oh master and could get a Blue-Eyes White <laughs> Dragon. Uh-huh. With, uh, like, max yeah. attack. <laughs> I, max attack and travel speed, and it's a mount. Get it, boy. That's one of my questions. But, uh, yeah, that's that went to the blue of the internet. And, uh, man, good job. Chris on that one, and also Damien picking uh, that uh, dragons could be uh, turned as well. Uh, I was, animals uh, and yeah. animals, because he like yeah. for episode I, I was one. It. Yeah, I was like, no, they, they haven't shown it. And then he brought up the horses thing, and I think that was a collaboration between both Chris and and Damien on that. And mm-hmm. I was good on you guys. Good on you. So mm-hmm. let's get into hits and misses for the show and for us. Hits for myself, uh, for theories-wise, I called Viserion uh, being the one that would fall. Um, Miss is the knee bent. And for the for the show, I think that... I'm, I'm good with everything that happened. I've been happy with this whole season, really. I, even the slow parts, I, I am a sucker for exposition. And it's it's been good. I, I haven't really had a, a big complaint yet. We'll see after this next episode if they leave me hanging and feeling gross. But right now they're they're doing pretty well. Yeah, for me the uh, the show missed on the this entire plot hole. I mean, even John said it at the end. He uh, mentioned it was a bad idea to go get a walker. Yeah, it was a bad idea. In episode one, you know, started leading the entire season down this path. Um, There's, I think, there's a lot of different ways they could have played it out, and um, having such a um, a logic bomb in there where people are like, "Why are you even doing this? This makes no sense." Um, really affected me, and with with this being a plot hole, we'll call it that. Um, for previous theories, um, I did pick I did pick that Daniel uh, Daenerys would lose a dragon. Um, but I picked she'd lose at Attacking King's Landing. I didn't uh, pick on this end. And then also I got uh, that I said Drogon was poisoned by Scorpion Spear. Pretty sure that's not happening at this point, so I'm leaning that one towards a miss. I actually wish that, like, was, a, I wish it, that was a hit. That was actually a really good plot. That, like, that was awesome. I wish that was the yeah. case. Maybe, she, yeah, maybe like it is, and it's too. just a really... Because they did bring up uh, Slow burn. that, that uh, poison... And it depends on constitution how long it la- it takes to kick in. Um, so you could yeah. still be in the running with that one. I have I did have it in uh at a yellow light instead of a red light. So I I did I didn't go full uh, negative on that one. So yeah, I'll I'll take that. But uh, Chris, where do I begin? <laughs> um, I liked the episode in general. I thought that there were a lot of places that that could have 
and we talked about this throughout the episode, so I'm not going to rehash a lot of the things that I don't really care for. A um, couple of questions, or things that I hit on. Um, I said a dragon was going to die. I said a dragon was going to turn into a white dragon, especially, and I said the Night King was going to be the one who took it down. That all happened in this episode. I talked about the, ver- the verbal mm-hmm. bending of the knee. That happened in this episode. So I was really excited about all that kind of stuff. What bothered me, uh, again, were some of the major... I-, I like exposition, and so I don't... I would rather them cut a little bit back on some certain things. I think that people came to conclusions a little bit too quickly. Like, Danny's... I'm going to go fly to, to John, and, and how everything ra- everything wraps up so fast. I think even the fact that one of her dragons died and the quick conversation on the boat was just way too short for me. It was four minutes, three minutes. And this like, she should have felt more in this. Like the, she was more concerned about, you know, standing near John than the fact that her, one of her kids died. So that part bothered me in this episode. Um, but excited about the fact that I, I said that they were going to meet in this last episode at the, to have that meeting. And that's, what's going to happen. So I really, I'm curious on where next episode's going to land and like cut off. I think that's, that's my biggest curiosity. We all know they're going to meet. We all know that Cersei's going to see this white. What the hell's going to happen after that? Like, where does this go? Like, does she, is she playing the game and it cuts? Uh, does she not care? And it cuts what, what happens? I, I, and we see John healthy. So we know uh, again, time has passed. Because he shows up, so I'm really yeah, curious. Yeah, he, he's traveling with him down there, and we also we also see what looks like an assault on King's Landing yes. uh, by the Unsullied and the Dothraki. Mm-hmm. So uh, doesn't doesn't look like negotiations go well. So I'm really curious to see how all this plays out because I do not know what's going to be happening. I want next. another major death. I want somebody to really die. So I want somebody I care about to die. I like make it Littlefinger. I don't care. Like they're, be, they're, be, be somebody. Yeah. That cheap John death they did this no, episode where they so – John's dead, not dead. I, I no, Thoros is crap. I'm going to tell, tell you guys right now. They are suckering you in. They are – they got you on the hook and they're pulling you in because it's going to be a death that you do not expect or it's going to hit you a lot harder because they keep just flitting that around just right. Make it Sansa. Do something, do something serious. Like let Arya just take Sansa crazy. out. There is going to be something crazy. If it's no deaths this time, uh, season eight is going to be like book seven of Harry Potter, where almost everybody dies. It would be crap if they didn't take people out. It really would be. I would be offended. This is Game of Thrones. Somebody needs to die. Right, and I'm I, uh, going into our own theories, but uh, I remember. I was 60-40 on it, but uh, I will just say that uh, Cersei succeeds and kills Daenerys. So next episode, uh, all of this stuff about kids and all that stuff is just a setup to make you you think that's happening. So I'm still 60-40 on that one. I'm not 100% feeling it, uh, even after the stuff they're saying. But I think they're just making her to be expendable. Uh, And the other one uh, theory that I have, is that uh, Littlefinger uh, will be dead, or he might even be at this point because we don't see him and Arya in the same scene anymore. But in something in the near future, Littlefinger will be dead. Sansa won't know, but Arya will be wearing his yep. face, and she's doing and she's doing that to just to uh, to train uh, Sansa and to and also to see how loyal she is. So uh, I do like y'all theories that she uh, Arya is training Sansa to kill Littlefinger, but I formed this theory before that, so I'm sticking. I actually, <laughs> um, I'm gonna say that I was leaning around that same thing. I said that Arya has already killed Littlefinger off uh, 
off off scene or off screen. So he's already dead and the last couple times that we have seen her her like he she saw that he was watching uh he was watching her and so he she killed him and now she's playing both sides. Oh, okay. So it'd have to have been right after mm-hmm. the, the note that's where, scenario. She got the note and then did it. That's right where there. I'm thinking, at least. You're gonna see the Night King take the wall in the next episode. That's gonna happen. That dragon can but what I'm curious about is does an undead dragon breathe ice or fire? Um, that's a, that's a good question because if it breathes fire, he can just take that dragon, point it towards the wall, and then just shoot flames at it and melt yep. it. What if it's so just I'm, white flames? Mm, that could or, be a, that would be, that, that would be flame. really cool. But I that I'll take I'll take blue flames all yeah. day. Give me some blue that flames. Be really yeah. cool. That'd be cool. But I, I think the magic of the wall disappears when that dragon because we saw uh, Daenerys's dragons were able to fly above, which is what they need. They need to be able to take take the the wall out from above. They can't go through it. They can go over it. Yeah, but that's a lot of trips trimming over the dragon. I think because he needs to get his army through, he melts the wall with the mm-hmm. dragon. Um, they, and they need to have some sort of MacGuffin that gets rid of the magic. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there as well. Too. Yeah, maybe it has something to do with the dragon at that point. But uh, yeah, I love I love the, me some Night King. The, the dragon melting the wall. So yeah. this is uh, I I didn't even think about this until I saw a couple different theory vid- videos. But then. Uh, somebody had pointed out that from season six, at, from when the Night King touched Bran to now, the Night King doesn't look the same. He actually has started to look younger and starting to show some of the same facial features as Bran. Is this meaning that the Night King and Bran are actually melding more than we think and that they could end up being the same character. There's a, there's to me when it comes to the brand theories and I've seen a ton of them. I have my own. I had my own last week that brand is brand the builder. He built the wall walking back. Which time. I agree. Uh, there's so many brand theories though, that they can't all be true. He brand can't be everybody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, brand is an enigma right now. Yeah, he's an enigma. He's he he's magic. He has some power. They show him one uh, every like five I, episodes. I don't. Yeah, yeah, they never show him. I don't know if he does that. For the him. one thing that they have confirmed, though, Cajun, is the connection between the Night King and Bran. There is something there. It's mm-hmm. not it, it, the other things about like him going back in time and making the wall are more sh- shots in the dark, just because Brandon the Builder. Right. It, and his name is Bran. Has the same yeah, name. That's yep. Oh no, that's 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 one hundred percent what it is. And he would just he would know of the threat in the future, and mm-hmm. uh, and and know what to do about it. But uh, yeah, that's like I said, and that's mine. Is just one of many shots and in, in, in theories that uh, this is going to be mine. I, I think this is going to be the one that I that I put uh, claim and put my flag in for for now is maybe that there is a bigger connection there i think we're at a point now where it's kind of up in the air so uh, you're hitting the last episode we know that there's the big meeting between the kings which is what you know that remember the previews 
like three months ago or four months ago when they had all of them coming to the one throw you know one table this is it this is that's what the premonition was so they're all coming all coming together whether they all listen to each other everybody's it's like who's got the biggest penis on the table that's how it is you know like it really is it's like i i do this well i do this well i you know that so you're going to see kind of that banter i feel like back and forth for a little bit nobody's going to be very cordial eventually like you said cajun they're going to have uh the unsullied take take king's landing uh, i think what's going to happen is that's going to draw everybody's attention is there's going to be a raven that comes that says that hey they took the wall what the hell are you guys doing like somebody figure out something because they keep coming and nobody's helping somebody needs to help and that if you take something that means something to somebody maybe it's maybe they take something of cersei's i don't know but you got to take something of somebody's in order for it to mean something to them in order for them to care which is why danny cares about the north now and is willing to help john yep all right guys do we have anything more this week there was a lot this week it was a long episode of the show we're long in the tooth i'm here. surprised that we're getting out of this at a little under an hour and a half with how much we unpacked yep we we definitely sat on a few of those topics for a little bit but uh uh for us we're gonna go ahead and sign off uh you can find me caucasian state all one word on twitter you can find the show geekologist at ninjapancake.com on email twitter geekologist radio minus a t for character restrictions and ecologistradio.com and ninjapancake.com Chris where can we find Tools, you? T-W-O-W-O-L-V-Z-Z on Twitter and uh, anywhere else that the interwebs are and Jeff where can you we can find, find you? you can find me on Twitter at thejeffberry T-H-E-G-E-O-F-F-E-A-R-R-Y and you can find me on the Nerdentials podcast at nerdentials.com or uh, really here <laughs> and that's it <laughs> alright so that's it for us this week we're going to have one more episode covering up the finale next week uh, we hope to uh, y'all listen to that one as well too we're going to go all out and we're going to be saying all of our oohs and ahs and uh, there are going to be a lot of hits and misses because a lot of things are going to have to come full circle then so uh, we'll see y'all next week and y'all have a good one we are out